Welcome to the NP Worship Podcast. Join with us as we grow in music, creativity, and servanthood. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the NP Worship Podcast. This is Andrew Kaufman, your host. Um, Today, we're going to be digging into one of our team night trainings from uh, early March. Uh, We did a few different trainings that night, and it was awesome. If you weren't there, we will be doing another one coming up uh, in summer, as long as COVID ends, which we are all praying happens soon. Um, But we do have a next one planned. We always do just awesome things, um, gather together, uh, worship together. Last time we ate some amazing food, and we went out to all these different workshops. And one of those workshops uh, was led by none other than Pastor Shane Ham, one of our uh, teaching pastors here at North Point. Um, and he did it on kind of ordering your private world, talking about how do you live uh, in your private personal time and kind of getting those things in line so that when you are on stage or you are leading, um, things line up and you're not fake and you're truly producing fruit and all these things. It was amazing. Uh, you're going to get to listen to it in a minute. Um, one thing that kind of stuck out to me was just, well, two things. One was he talks a bit about this idea that you can have a lot of activity without true intimacy with Jesus. And I think that's something that is uh, that I at least can relate to, that I can be working so hard for Jesus that I sometimes f- miss out on the actual being with him. I don't know if you guys can relate to that, um, but I definitely do. And I think especially right now, um, we're kind of been forced into this opposite of activity for a lot of people in some ways. I mean, you're home, you're in your living rooms, you're not working or you're not connecting with the normal people you do. And maybe you're not in a rotation. So you're not serving on Sundays right now because of the COVID season. Um, And so I just want to, I just thought this, this would be a really encouraging training to start out with for you. Uh, And then one of the other things he talks about is just this idea of um, a lone fig tree can't bear fruit um, for, for a couple of reasons. One is they, they require cross-pollination from a different tree, um, which really is this idea that if you are alone and you don't have true community, you don't have other people around you, you won't be, you can't bear fruit as a Christian and as a person. Um, we, we need each other. No one's an island and um, we can't survive that way. We weren't made for that. We were made for a relationship. And so that's something that he digs into too. And I think it's a really timely thing for us in a season where we can feel alone and you can feel isolated. Um, You can feel like you're unable to connect. And I say feel like, because you still can. And we're seeing that all over where people are finding new ways to connect with each other. Um, So I would just encourage you to do that. But uh, I hope this training finds you in a place that God really uses it. Um, I know he will, and I know he's already used it in in my life, in my heart, just listening um, into this. So this is Ordering Your Private Life. Uh, with Shane Ham from our team night on March 6, 2020. Hope you love it. Originally, when I had asked both Kyle and Kim about what do you want me to share, um, they talked about, um, you know, really a heart of worship, a heart of private worship. And that is what this is about. In fact, that is exactly what one of the points are, uh, to give you a spoiler on one of the points. But I wanted to get sorted to the ugly underbelly of that a little bit first. Um, And I wanted to talk about just ordering your private life. And and I say that because I have had in my life such an ugly underbelly of just brokenness and... uh, 
and uh, to everyone, they would just think, boy, you know, things look right in his life. And the reality is, is that uh, for a long time it wasn't. And, um, and so there's sort of a life message here for me that relates to developing a personal um, private love of worship, but that's really come out of the necessity of walking authentically with Jesus, if that makes sense. And so I sort of merged our topic here with, um, with just some broken things in my own life, if that makes sense. So I just want to begin by reading Mark's gospel, and you'll see it there. It's in your notes. Most of the scriptures I'll reference are in your notes there for you. Um, but in Mark's gospel, chapter 11, and some of this, by the way, I should probably preface, could be themes that you've even heard me in church reference. Even, even a few of the points I know I have referenced years past. So if they sound familiar, but it's only because it's, it's really, I mean it, a life message for me. And so it's just critical that I thought, I'll just, I'll just, I knew it'd be a small group. So I figured these groups are really just like to pour the real heart to you than just like preach a teaching or something, if that makes sense. But uh, Mark 11, it says, as they, that's Jesus with his disciples, were leaving Bethany to Jerusalem. It says that there on the slope of the Mount of Olives, it says that Jesus was hungry. And so he noticed um, a what? What does he notice there? Yeah, a fig tree. And what is the fig tree? It's in full leaf, meaning it was leafy. And it says the tree is just a little ways off. At first, you see Jesus only sees this from a distance. He's a little way off from it. So he went over to see if he could find any figs, but it says there were only leaves because it was too early in the season for fruit. And then Jesus said to the tree, may no one ever eat your fruit again. And his disciples heard him say it. Now, Guys, this is an incredible scripture because what, what's happening here, if you've never meditated on this scripture before, let's just, let's just dive into this for a minute. Jesus sees a fig tree and it is full of leaves, but there's no fruit. Now, fig trees are common in Israel. I mean, they would grow to heights of 25 feet and they'd be widths of 20 to 25 feet. You were just there. You saw fig groves. Um, and there were many more, I'm certain, at the time of Jesus than there are now in today's development. Now, here's what's important. Fig trees are unusual because with fig trees, the appearance of the fruit will always precede the appearance of the leaves. That's true of fig trees. So when Jesus sees a fig tree that is full and covered with leaves, he's going to assume <laughs> there's fruit because there's leaves. The problem is this fig tree was a hypocrite. <laughs> it, it had leaves. It has the outward appearance of vitality and health, a little bit like my life, but there's no fruit. And so what does Jesus do is Jesus curses it. And it's almost as though God speaks into my heart every time I read this, beware the curse of the fig tree. <laughs> to be leafy but with no real fruit. And, and that, that there is the ability for people that are in ministry, whether they're pastors or worship leaders or deacons in the church, 
There is actually the ability to appear that you have it all together, to be so busy doing what you're doing and doing and doing and doing. Today, I was telling our last group, today I just sat with a young pastor. He's in his first year of his first pastorate and he's in his first year of marriage. He doesn't work in Fresno. And I sat down and I asked him how he's doing and he began to tell me all the amazing things he's doing. Doing, 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 doing. And, and so after he, he probably spent 30 minutes just giving me a, a resume, a litany of wonderful entrepreneurship and ministry. And by the way, being the many, many pastoral roles are very much like entrepreneurship. It's like being a business owner. In fact, there are pastoral roles that aren't like that, that are support roles in the church. But many roles in the church, it's like starting your own business and owning your own business and expanding your own business. It takes the same kind of skill set, as it were. The problem with that is, is that the same way that business owners burn themselves out, neglect their family, neglect the important things, pastors often do that too. And I experienced that. So after he got done telling me, we he and I, we just began to talk about that and just the dangers of that. I want to talk to you about how do we prevent that? And, and I guess I want to start with, as, as ministry leaders in the church, as worship people, because, gosh, God looks at people that are, act, uh, excuse me, people look at people who are actively serving God, and, and they, they look up to you. <laughs> and the reason they do, by the way, is because you're leafy. <laughs> you're full of leaves. Here's the problem. When people get up really close and they inspect, it sometimes causes them a problem because they see that sometimes it's just leaves. And we just have to be so careful about that. Now, the way that we're careful about that is by ordering our private world. Does that make sense? And so that's, of course, why I call it that. So how does your private world get out of order? Number one, just write this down. Here's the first thing. Not being truly rooted in Jesus not being truly rooted in Jesus. Of course, why am I saying rooted? Well, of course, we're using the metaphor of the fig tree. And so we're talking about what your roots are really embedded in, aren't we? Now, why do I say not really rooted in Jesus? Because it's possible to be a part of North Point Church. It's possibly part of any Christian church, any religious organization, and you're rooted in religion, and you're rooted in activity, and you're rooted in good works, and you're rooted in service and ministry. But that doesn't mean that you're rooted in Jesus. It doesn't mean that you're walking with Jesus. It really doesn't. In fact, a scripture that really points this out, that I pointed out to the guy I was talking to today, because it's the one that hits me the hardest, and I have taught on this in church, so forgive me if it's redundant. It was a few years ago, but is where Jesus is speaking to a crowd of people. In fact, it's at the conclusion of his most famous sermon, the Sermon on the Mount. And so you see here in Matthew 7, he says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. He says, But he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. And then at verse 22, notice it says, On that day, many will say to me, what? Lord, Lord. Did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do mighty works in your name? He will say to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. 
Everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Now, what is Jesus saying exactly? Well, first thing that comes to mind when we're talking about this topic is, write this down. The first thing that Jesus is saying here is that it is possible to be actively involved in church and have all the information without real transformation. So that's that feeling. Information without transformation. In other words, it is possible to know the right stuff. It is possible to actually believe the right stuff, to have the right doctrine and never actually be rooted in Him. Now, guys, when, when they call out to Jesus, He's going to say, there are those that stand before Him and say, what are the two words? Lord, Lord. So when He says Lord, the Greek word for Lord is kurios. And what it means is, it means that they believe that Jesus is the Lord. He's God. Now, what that means is, is that intellectually they have the right doctrine. These aren't people that are calling on Allah. These are people that believe that Jesus is God. So we're not talking about a different religion here. We're talking about true biblical Christianity and people who say that is right. That is truthful. Now, that's insightful. But what's interesting here is that you can actually have the right doctrine but not really know the Lord. Second thing that I just want to point out is that what he's saying here is it's not just information without transformation, but what he's saying here is that it's possible to have a lot of emotion over the Lord without real devotion to the Lord. So it's emotion without devotion, if you're writing that down. In other words, what he's saying here is, is you can literally be emotionally invested. Now, guys, I got to tell you, I'm talking to worship people right now, aren't I? Yeah. And these are the people that are emotionally <laughs> invested because these are the people that like to sing. And these are the people that like to call others to sing. And these are the people that get really, oh, God. And, and you know, and because and, here's what he says. You got to get this. He says, these are people that said to me, not just Lord, but what does it say exactly? Lord. Lord, Lord. So in the Semitic culture, whenever you see a doubling of the name, what that means in all Semitic cultures, but especially in Hebrew culture, is when you double the name, it means, oh, I don't just believe it. It means, I mean it. I feel it. When Jesus looks at uh, Jerusalem and he's grieved over Jerusalem, he doesn't just say Jerusalem. He says, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. When Jesus looks at Martha and he's frustrated with her, over her attitude toward Mary. He doesn't just say Martha. He says, Martha, Martha. It's this idea that I don't just believe what I'm telling you. I'm passionate. I'm, I'm deeply invested. I feel it. Does that make sense? You double the name. Now, guys, that is a significant thing because what this is indicating is these people that Jesus says he's never known, they believe the Bible's true. They believe Jesus is Lord. They've got the right doctrine. And they weep at the altar. They cry. That's a scary thing. So then here's the third thing. Write this down because this is really what it's indicating about not being, really being rooted in Jesus. You can be rooted in all sorts of things. Is These are people who have activity, lots of activity, but without intimacy. Now we're talking about the private life of a worshiper. They have activity without intimacy. Here's what I'm going to say to you, guys. Let's go back. Leafy. You could have activity. You could be in ministry. I sure was. Oh, my gosh. And there is no indication. You never would have thought. I, you're looking at somebody that was so leafy 
you, you would not know. You wouldn't unless you got close enough. Truth is, that's why I didn't let people get close enough. Because it's when people get close enough and inspect that. So you just sort of keep people over here. Now, here's what he says about activity without intimacy. He says, on that day, they're going to say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not? Guys, get this. This is unbelievable. Did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not cast out demons in your name? Did we not do mighty works in your name? He's going to declare to them, I don't know you. Depart from me. He, he actually, he doesn't just say that. If that's not bad enough, he calls them workers of lawlessness. Now, guys, what kind of ministry are we doing? We're putting out hospitality. We're preaching the gospel. We're leading people in worship. We're teaching the words of God. But I got to tell you, I haven't cast out many demons lately. I haven't seen a whole lot of, you know, uh, bona fide prophecy going around. These are people that are working miracles. These are people that if you see do this in our church, you're going to say, certainly God's hand is upon them. You, you will say that. You will go and tell your neighbor, oh, I know God's with that one. But no, no, no. Jesus says, no, they could even do that. And that doesn't mean, does that make sense? That, that is a very interesting thing. What Jesus is saying is, you're leafy, but you're not really rooted in me. So we've got to be very careful. And I spent most of my time on that. But let me get to the second thing. You're not truly, here's the second thing that, that really when your private world gets out of order, how does that happen? Number two, you're not truly in right relationship with each other. You're not truly in right, and that's that second big fill in there. You're not truly in right relationship with each other. Now, why do I say that? Because let's go to Matthew's gospel. In the original context, Matthew tells this same story that we read about in Mark about the fig tree. But in Matthew's version, chapter 21, verse 19, if you ever want to look it up, he says that Jesus notices that it's a lone fig tree. It's a fig tree all by itself. Now, Mark didn't point that out, but Matthew points that out. Here's what's interesting about fig trees. You noticed this, Kyle, when you were there in Israel? Fig trees are always in groves because fig trees to bear fruit require cross-pollination. Fig tree, you can't have a lone, you have a lone fig tree and you have a fig tree that will not bear fruit. And Jesus says, Jesus is saying by using this metaphor, he's saying it's impossible for you to bear fruit unless you're cross-pollinating with others. That is a really interesting thing. Now, if you just want to appear leafy, you're never going to let yourself do that. You won't. You'll just, you'll, you'll keep people at arm's length. You know, when Jesus, when James says, for example, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another, you know, do you know what keeps us from really connecting and cross-pollinating with others? We, what, what prevents it? We just want to appear like we have it together. We're afraid to let people in, really. I, I have been. By the way, I'm talking about this in the past tense for me. I'm telling you this is a life message because I deal with this every day of my life. I could, especially, I'm in more danger than some people because I have a story of brokenness. Do you know how easy it would be for me to hide on my in my past brokenness and act like this isn't a thing today? It, it would just be so easy for me to get caught. So I just say, man, don't make that mistake of, of doing that. You know, it, it's interesting, Adam and Eve, when they're in sin, what's the first thing that Adam and Eve does? They hide, and what do they cover themselves with? Fig leaves. <laughs> Fig leaves. 
Isn't that interesting? This whole thing, this about being leafy, it really does weave throughout scripture. It's just an, an, an interesting thing. Then here's the third thing. How do we get our, our, our private world out of order? Sorry for you guys that we're starting at number three, but we can go back. But number, number three is being inauthentic, that you're not being authentic about where you're really at. Just write that down. You're not being authentic about where you're really at. And I said, gosh, watch out for that, guys. Outward activity, good works, religiousness. It's just a leafy show. It's just a bunch of leaves. And he says, on that day, many are going to say to me, gosh, didn't we do all these things? Now, hey, guys, I got I to point something out to you. Did you know when they said to Jesus, but Lord, didn't we, didn't we prophesy? Didn't we cast out demons? Didn't we do these things? Do you notice Jesus never calls him a liar? He never says, oh, no, you didn't. No, they really did do these things. He's just pointing out that these things are really meaningless. This isn't what it's really about. So, how do you order your private world? What's the recommendation? How do you get this in order so that you have an authentic private worship life? Let's deal with that and then we'll be done. Sound good? Yep. How do you get it in order? I want you to take a look at Luke 13. Take a look at Luke 13 because Luke, we're talking about fig trees tonight and we're talking about being, not just being leafy, but being full of fruit. And, uh, and Luke 13 is another parable about the fig tree. And it's interesting. And I love it in the King James Version. Because I, I think that you draw some things from the King James you can't draw from anywhere else. So I want to have somebody read this for fun. Just because we want to listen to you read King James. <laughs> Anybody want to dare? Yeah, do it. There we go. Stop right there for just a minute. As you leave here tonight, you should start using that word. Shane spake such a good devotional or, yeah, he spake it. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, sorry. A certain man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came and sought fruit thereon and found none. Then said he unto the dresser of his vineyard, Behold, these three years I come seeking fruit on this fig tree and find none. Cut it down, why cumbereth in the ground? And he answering said unto him, Lord, let it alone this year also. Till I shall dig about it and dung it. <laughs> and if it bear fruit, well. And if not, then after thou shalt cut it down. All right, good. So again, another example of the fig tree. Now, there are some keen observations about how do we really, what are the things that we should be really in our disposition thinking about to get our private life in order, that we're not just leafy. Ready? Number one, write this down. Here's the first thing. Always remember that Jesus is, is always for you. <laughs> That's the first thing. Remember that Jesus is always for you. Recall yourself to that, that he's for you guys. You know, scripture says, this is not in the notes I've given you here, but man, Jesus, he pleads before the Father for you. He's the great intercessor. He is interceding on your behalf. He wants you to bear fruit. He wants you to not just be leafy, and he's very patient. Now, notice in this parable, <laughs> the vine dresser, pleads on behalf of the barren fig tree. No, let me dig it. And let me what? Dung it. Dung it. Does that mean fertilize? Yeah, so here's what's interesting about this. Jesus is always wanting you to bear fruit. And you may be here, and honestly, there may be some of you here, you're leafy, but the truth is in your own private life, you're, you're really not bearing fruit and you know it. You're keeping people at arm's distance because if they get too close, they're gonna see there's not real fruit. But, but there's lots of leaves. How does Jesus, he's for you, but how does he get fruit to happen? It's in this parable right here because it says, what does the vine dresser do? He, two things, he digs it 
and he dungs it. Now, what does it mean to dig it? Well, to dig it means he, he's going he's to rock your world. He's going to start digging things up. He's going to start turning the soil to try and stimulate growth at the roots. He's going to dig about the roots. He may even begin to cut at things in the pruning process to dig that up to cause growth to stimulate right at the base. And, and sometimes God does that. Sometimes God digs you. <laughs> and you're like, God, stop digging me. And God says, I, I love you too much. You're leafy. You're not bearing any fruit. We've got to get some fruit going on here. Does that make sense? But if that weren't enough, he doesn't just dig you. He dungs you. Well, what does that mean? It means that God allows crap to fertilize your life. And I'd love to use stronger language, but I'm just afraid you'd tell on me, so I won't. And I'm being recorded. But I'm just saying, this is really what he's saying. He'll dig you and he'll dung you in a desire, you know. And some of you, honestly, out of, out of the small, you know, half dozen of us here, it could be that, man, I've gone through my digging and my dunging and, and I'm still not bearing the fruit I need to and I'm not allowing God to do his work and I've really got to get right, you know. I've really got to figure that out. Does that make sense? So, so that's the first thing. You guys got to realize God's always for you, but he may dig you. And he may dung you. By the way, the reason I use King James for that is just because that's one way to remember it. You'd never forget he digs you and he dungs you, you know. So I just want you to remember that. He spake it, yeah. Here's the second thing that I'd say. We're going for fruitful, not just leafy. Second thing I'd say is watch your hidden roots. Just watch your hidden roots. You know, I told you that that main story we've used tonight out of uh, Mark, Matthew's version is at chapter 21. And it's an interesting thing because in the passage it says that the fig tree dried up. In Matthew 21 it says, the fig tree dried up from the roots. Let me tell you guys something. That is always where death begins, in the roots. And the question I just ask is, see, here, here's the problem with that. The roots are always below the surface, so you don't see what's going on in there. Guys, gosh, I just can't say this enough to you. Is there a heart for God, really? I mean, yeah, I, I know everybody here is full of leaves. I get that, but that's not what I'm talking about. I had a tree in my yard that I noticed, it was a beautiful tree, I loved it. It was a peach tree, and I loved this tree. It was in a perfect position, providing shade for my house, and one day I walked out and I saw that it was dying. And it was, there was a section of it that had been going brown, and then blight had set in, it was terrible. So I got my friend, who's an arborist, to come and look at it. And he said, oh, there's no hope for that tree, I could just pull it out for you. Are you serious? Why? I, I just noticed this. I mean, this wasn't even a week ago. It wasn't like that. He goes, oh, you don't understand. He goes, it's been dying at the roots for years. Because that's where death starts. By the time I noticed it, it was gone. <laughs> and that's why you've got to watch your roots. You know, in the pastoral epistles that talk about Two key leadership roles in the church. By the way, there are really only two key leadership roles in the church. It, not, I'm not talking about ministry roles like prophets and evangelists and teachers and so on and so forth. I'm really talking about the roles of governing the church body. And there are two key roles that the scripture outlines. 
Modern churches have given all sorts of names, but the two biblical roles are there are elders. And what are elders? Elders are pastors. Churches I know today have like pastors and then elder boards. That's actually not a biblical concept. The elders are the pastors. The pastors are the elders. That's, that's, they're synonymous in scripture. Now, um, and it has nothing to do with age. We all understand that in terms of physical age. But there's the elders and then there's the deacons. And when you read the pastoral epistles, you'll see those are the two roles outlined. Now, who are the deacons? The deacons are the one that are, ones that are in charge of serving the body, not teaching the word. The elders are devoted to prayer and the teaching of the word. The deacons are involved in leading the ministries. And that really is, in fact, there are lots of deacons today that we call pastors, but really they're doing the jobs of deacons. It's just the way the modern church is organized, if that makes sense. But I just say this to you. When you read the pastoral epistles, when you read those things, you're going to see where it says, and this, is this in your notes, 1 Timothy chapter 4? It says to both elders and deacons, somebody read that real loud. Keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. Persist in this, for by so doing you will save both yourself and your hearts. I'm sorry, and you're, you're here. Yeah, he's, te- he's preaching to ministry leaders. He's preaching to those who are doing the, the miracles and the, and the workings, and he's saying, boy, you better watch yourself closely. <laughs> boy, just look at your life. Are you just leafy? Watch out for that. Now, here's the third thing. Write this down, that you and I develop a love for private worship. You know, I met with uh, today the, the young man who's his first year of marriage I mentioned, and it's his first year of ministry, pastoral ministry. And, you know, we began talking about his ministry, and I just started asking. He told me about all the doing, the doing, the doing, the doing, the doing, you know, like we do. <laughs> and I just asked him, it was all said, it's like, brother, tell me two things I just want to know. How's your relationship with your wife, and how's your relationship with the Lord? And it's like, honestly, I could see him, especially when I got to the Lord, his emotions just drop because he's so busy doing. He's just so busy doing. He's forgetting the Lord. Guys, I'm just telling you as somebody who has failed epically, and I have, it all starts with that where you just know under the surface you're just not walking with Jesus. You're doing a lot for Jesus, but you're not really walking with the Lord daily. Look, what have I said? We've been talking about fruit and ag all night, all for the last 30 minutes. If I take you back to Psalm 1 and how the Old Testament puts it, what does the very first Psalm say? It says, Happy is the man or blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked nor stand in the place of sinners nor sit in the seat of scoffers. But it says, but his delight is on the law of the Lord, which is a reference to the scripture. That's what they called the scripture then. And the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. And here's the, that's the premise. Here's the promise. It says, and he will be like a tree that bears fruit. Yeah, planted by a river that bears fruit in its season. Its leaf doesn't wither, right? But it's bearing fruit. So look, I've just been talking to you about the, the, the fig tree here 
in the Jesus's parable, but you go back to Psalms one, isn't it the saying the same thing? It's talking about a, a, a close relationship to the source planted by the river. Now, let me fast forward. Let's go past what we've read and go to the very end of Jesus's life. He's about to go to the cross and he's walking his disciples through an olive tree grove. By the way, I was able to pray in January in the very olive tree grove that I'm talking to you about right now. It's an amazing as in Israel. He's walking the disciples through this olive tree grove. And in John 15, he says, unless you abide in me and I abide in you, you will not do what? Do you remember? You will not bear fruit. You have to abide in me. I'm just asking how is your heart for the Lord? I told that guy today when we sat there, I said, brother, there's two things you got to be doing in your life out of all this doing you're doing. Two things I'm speaking into the season of your life right now. You better be daily romancing the Lord and romancing your wife. Romance the Lord and romance your wife. Well, of course, with the wife, oh, that makes sense. Romance my wife, but romance the Lord, you know. Well, see, the Bible speaks of our relationship to Jesus as one of that level of intimacy, that there's romance and love. In fact, Song of Solomon would say that, you know, I am my beloved's and he is mine. There is this heart connection you make with God where I, I'm romancing the Lord. I just, got, I just was connected with a YWAMer who's back from, he used to run a DTS base uh, uh, in another part of the States. And you know, he's, he's talking to me about how dry his relationship with the Lord is. It's like, yeah, but how are you romancing the Lord? Well, the truth is I'm not. Well, there you go. I mean, you, there has to be that vibrant, private, I'm connecting with you, Lord. Now, now for me, I'll just tell you what that looks like. That looks like I put on worship music in the morning just to remind me of the goodness of the Lord. In fact, I have a playlist that I'd be happy to send you. I, about 100 North Pointers subscribe to it. It's just called Remember. And it's called Remember because of how many times in the scripture it tells us to remember him. <laughs> Don't forget lest you fall away. Pay attention. Take heed, therefore. So I called the playlist Remember. It's got like 220-something songs on it of just things that I, I have found meaningful, worship tunes. And I just put that on every morning because I just shuffle the playlist because it's got so many songs. It's always fresh for me. You know, it's always new. And I just, or I go to what I want to listen to, and I just put it on. And I just start just privately worshiping the Lord. Then I'll open up my Bible, and I'll just begin, now God, just speak into my heart. And whatever I'm reading right now, I'll just, whether it's the Psalms or the Gospels or both or whatever, I'll just start reading. What happens is, after I worship the Lord, I begin to read the Word. He begins to speak to me through His Word. And again, the Word of God is like a mirror. And I begin to look and see how ugly I really am as I'm reading through the Word. And He begins to convict my heart of things. And then I begin to pour my heart out to Him. And what's going on there? There's like true conversation. There's a, I'm talking to you. You're talking to me. It's not this. It's not, here's my Bible reading time. Check. It's not that. It's not what I'm talking about. It's not, okay, here's my prayers, you know, check. No, no, no. I'm talking about, we, by the way, we have turned this thing we call devotional time and quiet time into check. Watch out for that. When your marriage gets like that, any romantic relationship, when a friendship gets like that, it goes sour. That's not what you're aiming for. You're aiming for 
I'm spending time with you, Lord. I worship you. Now speak to me. And guys, too often for people, I mean, can you imagine if a relationship, what if, what if we're striking up a friendship and we're sitting down and we're talking, or you and I, we're talking. Let's say we're out to coffee. And here's how the relationship goes. I'm talking to you. Talk, 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 And that goes on for a half an hour. Talk, 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 talk. You're just sitting there, you know, talk, 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 talk. And then after a half an hour, I go, okay, your turn. I mean, would that really be? That wouldn't even feel relational. But that's what we do with the Lord. I mean, we sort of segment our time so often and it becomes, so all I'm advocating for is make sure it's romantic. Make sure it's vibrant. Make sure that there's an organic display of relation. Does that make sense? Now, you may do that naturally, by the way, when you're talking to the Lord. I get that because you're interacting with your mind and your heart. But I'm just saying, watch out that it's not sterile. You guys follow me? And, and, and uh, just develop, you know, it's gazing on Jesus. I love the Second Corinthians. And we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed in the same image from one degree of glory to another as we gaze on him, as we look at his beauty, as we spend time with him. Then here's the fourth thing. How do you get it ordered? The disposition of your heart. Fourth thing. You got to start just letting God have his way with you. Now, Sometimes, if we're honest, we, we don't want this. We hold back from this. Guys, if you really want to be fruitful and not just leave you, you've got to start letting God take you to the next level of calling you to the areas of disobedience that you're walking in, the areas of commitment. You've got to start yielding to that and saying, God, okay, I'm going to take that step because God wants to take you to the next level. There's a place, I want to end with this, that I put in 1 Samuel 15 where God tells King Saul. Notice this. He says, go now, now go and completely destroy the Amalekite nation. By the way, if there were ever an example of somebody that was leafy without fruit, it'd be King Saul. He says, now go completely destroy the Amalekite nation, men, women, children, babies, cattle, sheep, goats, camels, donkeys. But then in verse 8, I'm jumping to verse 8 if you're following it says he captured Agag, the Amalekite king, but completely destroyed everyone else. Saul and his men spared Agag's life, but kept the best of the sheep and the goats and the cattle and the fat calves and the lambs and everything. In fact, everything that appealed to them, they kept, but they only destroyed what was of worthless or of poor quality. Now you have the God saying, destroy it all. You have Saul walking in half-hearted obedience. And it didn't make much sense to Saul. Honestly, guys, God will call us to do things in obedience that to us and our reasoning, it's like, well, that didn't make much sense to do that. Well, why would God tell me to destroy the good stuff? Well, this wonderful livestock. So he kept it. Now look, the prophet Samuel comes to him. I'm going to verse 13. Verse 13. Just jump there. I put the whole story in there because honestly, I didn't have time to break it apart for you to make it easy. But go to verse 13. It says, Saul greeted the prophet cheerfully. May the Lord bless you, he said. I mean, he's feeling good. I have carried out the Lord's command. Then Samuel said to Saul, stop. Listen to what the Lord told me last night. What did he tell you, Saul asked. The Lord sent you on a mission and told you, go and completely destroy the sinners, the Amalekites, until they're all dead. Why haven't you obeyed the Lord? 
Why did you rush for the plunder and do what was evil in the Lord's sight? Stop right there. Look at me for just a minute, guys. Remember the first Matthew 7. Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not cast out demons? Did we not do all of these things? He says, depart from me, you workers of what? Iniquity, lawlessness. I don't know you. Here he's saying, why have you done what is evil in the Lord's sight? Now go to verse 20. It says, but I did obey the Lord. Look at the level of self-deception here. Leafy. But, but I did obey the Lord, Saul insisted. I carried out the mission he gave me. I brought back King Agag, but I destroyed everyone else. Then my troops brought in the best of the sheep, the goats, the cattle, and plundered a sacrifice to the Lord your God in Gilgal. Then Samuel replied, What is more pleasing to the Lord, your burnt offerings or sacrifices or your obedience to his voice? Listen, obedience is better than sacrifice, and submission is better than offering the fat of rams. Rebellion is as sinful as witchcraft and the stubbornness as bad as worshiping idols. So because you have rejected the command of the Lord, he has rejected you as king. Do you see the similarities to that fig tree that he curses because it's leafy with no fruit? Do you know what he means here? Guys, just, gosh, just pay attention to this because for our own private life here, he's saying, and he said, I, Gosh, I have lived under this weight of conviction after realizing that my life's a fraud. He's saying to Saul, Saul, you're a fool. God didn't want the sheep. You're a fool. But by keeping the sheep, you kept yourself. And that's the problem with disobedience. It's not about the act. But by you not listening to the voice of the Lord and doing what you know he's called you to do, you're holding yourself back. And God says, that's lawlessness. Isn't that an interesting thing? So I realize this isn't formulaic. This is far more about the disposition of the heart. But we got to get be people that order our private world right if we're going to do out here right. We got to get in here right. Does that, that make sense? By the way, people ask me, um, they asked me this last time, well, gosh, if, if everybody, you know, they had the right doctrine, they were emotionally invested, they said, Lord, Lord, they worked miracles, how can we know that we're okay? I'll just tell you this, if you're worried about it and it grieves your heart, if, you, if the thought of you not being right with God grieves you, that's a pretty good sign. <laughs> but if you could read a passage like that and go, hmm, eh. I'd be careful about that, if that makes sense. So, Anyway, let's pray. God, thanks for tonight. Thanks that we could have a workshop on just the disposition of the heart and private worship. Pray that you would uh, just keep speaking to us and in us and help us to follow you rightly. In Jesus' name. That is our prayer for you guys as you're listening, as you are home, as you are in your living rooms with your kids and your families and your parents and you're doing homework or you're um, binging out on Netflix. We just pray that God is there with you and that you can um, maybe even today just take an inventory of where you're at, 
with the things that Shane was talking about with ordering your private life and um, really choosing intimacy over just activity and, and doing all those really awesome things that he brings up. That's our prayer for you today. I wanted to remind you a couple quick things. Um, one thing, we're going to be continuing to release all of those trainings from that team night on the podcast, as well as getting them up onto our YouTube channel um, on our website. And so that's a place that you we will let you know when you can go there and get them. Um, but they will be coming out here as well. And then, uh, as always, we'd love to just connect with you. So follow us on Instagram and more than just follow us, make it social. So uh, comment on things, ask us questions, send us messages. We'd love to just be connecting with you all uh, through this season uh, that can be kind of isolating and lonely. So that's our prayer for you. Um, We hope that this found you in the place that you needed to find you and that God really did speak through Shane to you all like he did to me. So with that, we will catch you guys on the next episode of this podcast. See you later.